Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. I'm Malik. Today, we're going to talk about the results of the Summer Movie Wager. And then finally, after one thing that we're talking about, we're going to do our review of Nick's Keyframes pick, Christopher Nolan's Memento. But before we get to all that, feedback on MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us. Let us know what you think of the show and the things that we're talking about. MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous 197 plus bonus episodes with full show notes, so you can skip over the spoilerary and other things that you don't want to hear. There's also a support store there where you can buy Midwest Film and Game Nerds apparel and also donate to our network to support us so we can make our shows and network even better. Uh, Midwest Gamers, there's a new episode out. Guess what we talk about? That's right. It's Destiny. Go check it out. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did, Brian and I talk about other things, but then John, Brian, and Corey talk about Destiny for quite a long time. It's well, a, what is it like? A, some sort of expansion? Yes, the latest, latest Destiny expansion. Mm. The uh, let's see, if you paid sixty plus forty, and then you paid another forty, and this is another, so this is gets you up to one hundred and seventy dollars worth of Destiny that we're that we're going to talk about in this episode. <laughs> I played Star Trek Online, by the way. <laughs> I played a video yeah, game. It's free this to week. play. It's on free PlayStation now on 4, PlayStation right? Four. Yeah, it should be free. <laughs> um, it's actually it's it was kind of fun for a second. I've but heard it's a little broken. It's not. I mean, I if I would have paid money for it, yeah. I would have been like a yeah. boy. But I was. I didn't. So that's video games these days. For yeah. The most yeah. Part. <laughs> so. Well, we'll, I'm a we'll, have you, in we'll have you on next time to talk. <laughs> we'll have you on Game Nerds to talk you, about. Yeah, I walked around for a while. <laughs> Did you find a Gorn? No, I walked around and then I met some people. I talked for a little bit and then Amy goes, this is making me dizzy because <laughs> <laughs> like, you have to control both the joysticks and mm-hmm. one of them is to see. And like, I, she's probably, she's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Beautiful. For more of Tim's thoughts on Star Trek Online, <laughs> check out Midwest Game Nerds next episode, episode 45. Uh, but yeah, the summer movie wager. I read the post on the Summer Movie Wager saying that I would give uh, weekly updates on the Summer Movie Wager, and I have not done that this year. But I do have the final results. Uh, just to go over the top 10 box office, number 10 was The Legend of Tarzan at $355.9 million. This was worldwide, right? This is worldwide. Work, Tarzan. Yeah. Movies released from Captain America Civil War all the way to the end of August Okay, was the criteria. Number nine, Independence Day Resurgence, $388.0 million. Number eight was Jason Bourne with $398.1 million. Number seven was Ice Age Collision Course with $404.5 million. Number six was Warcraft with $433.5 million. Number five was X-Men Apocalypse with $543.6 million. Suicide Squad was number four with $731.8 million. The Secret Life of Pets took third place with $821.8 million. Finding Dory took second place with $970.1 million. And then finally, number one was Captain America Civil War with $1 billion. $1.1 billion. What a weird summer. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I did not do that. I think this is actually the lowest number one we've had. With like the next closest being $1.2 million, which I think was like... A ben- no. It wouldn't have been Avengers at the time. That was a lot more. Avengers 2? Maybe Avengers 2. There's been a few different things that have gotten like right above that million. I don't, I don't think we've had anything this close to not being in the billion-dollar mark. But Captain America did it. So congratulations to those movies. Lots of heavy hitters on there. And then, uh, yeah, so to go over the final results here, with 31 points, 
in number in place number twenty, we've got Eva, the bride of Yoop. Ah, Eva, bride of Yoop. Yes. Um, number nineteen with thirty four points, we've got Andrew L. Number eighteen with thirty five points, we've got Wayne B, my cousin's husband. Congratulations. Uh, number seventeen with thirty six points, we've got Alistair from Films of Every Color podcast. Number thirty seven, we have a tie between my brother John and Yoop. Uh, number 15, 38 points, we've got Lynn K, who I think took second place last year or first place last year. Can't remember. Up there, yeah. Number 14, with 39 points, our very own Tim Long. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, number 13? Your list was off. Number 14. Number, 14. Oh. number 13, with 40 points, we've got Matt H of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast and Emma H, uh, not related to Matt H. Number 12 with 42 points, Brian D. of the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. Number 11 with 45 points, Megan M. Number 10 with 46 points, we've got a tie between Alec S. and Tom Z. Tommy. Good job there, Tommy. Middle of the pack. Not bad. Uh, Number 9, 47 points. We've got a three-way tie between Mr. Steele, David Steele, Jason W., and Aaron L. Number 8, 48 points. We've got Phil H., Number seven with fifty points, we've got Jonas. Phil Hartman. Name. I don't. It, I probably not. <laughs> I'm not no. certain, but probably not. <laughs> Sorry. Too soon. Number six with fifty-one points, we've got Benson B. Number five with fifty-two points, we've got Robin F. Number four with fifty-four points, we've got Harry M. and the Bride of the Midwest Filmers podcast, Nikki G. Number three with fifty-five points is our very own Willie Gibbs. Number Congratulations. All right, the bronze. Nice. Yes. I think that's your second year in a row getting number three? It no, might. Nikki got number three last year. I, I can't think. remember. It's something like that. I don't that. want anything, right? Uh, I think you get like 10 bucks. I don't know, something. <laughs> you don't have to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out of your pay, though. Yeah. <laughs> number two with 58 points, Kevin K. And then number one with a massive 70 points, our very own Gordon. Listener Gordon. Nice. I don't know how I'm going to get you $40 to a, a movie plex near you in, in Germany, but we'll figure something out. So please contact me. We'll talk about it. We did get some feedback over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I, I probably should have read through what I actually wanted to say uh, from it because a lot of it is effusive because people are sad that we will be going on working hiatus mm. as of episode 200. Um but I will pull those up really quick. Uh, we got an email from Gordon. Uh, the winner. The big yes, winner. Yes, the, the winner. He said uh, it was subject line heartbroken. And uh, and he said, hi, guys. First of all, I want to let you know that although I can understand your decision, it makes me super sad. I've expressed how much before I enjoy and look forward to these podcasts. So we'll take getting used to not having them on my iPhone every Wednesday morning. I am super hyped about Westworld, though, so I'm glad that I can hear you in another forum until such a time. That you get very famous and this gets picked up again, smiley face, because you deserve a larger audience and people don't know what they're missing. Thank you, Gordon. That's very nice of you. He did leave a PS that said, to answer a question that you had after my previous mail, yes, I watched Guys of Egypt and London has fallen because of your reviews. Well, then you know what? It was all worth it. (laughs) (laughs) We got somebody to watch Gods of Egypt. We did it, guys. (laughs) These four years have not been spent in vain. (laughs) Yes. That is all I've ever wanted. Yep. Yes. Thank and you, Gordon. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you won too. We brought you Gods won. of Egypt to Germany. Yeah. You won I feel twice. Like we really. <laughs> so true. So true. The one sale in Germany that that movie got yes! was because of it. Uh, and then number two was from Alistair or Sandy Connell. 
Uh, he said, Nihau Film Nerds. I hope that I'm not too late to join the party for episode 200. It's a terrific achievement for you to have reached that point, and if there's time for me to chat with one of you over Skype, then I'd love to contribute a few words of gratitude for the episode so far and encouragement for the future. Best wishes from sunny England. So, this brings up a good point. We are going to try to talk to a bunch of you on Skype on a particular day. We're going to talk about that day after we record this podcast, and then I will send out an email to everybody. So, please stay tuned to your emails that you have emailed us with. Yeah, and you'll talk to all of us. Yeah. Not well, just one I, of us. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that all three of us can can set like two, three hours on a Saturday. It's actually going to be in like Kickstarter reward form. So if you if you don't pay anything, you get to talk to me. <laughs> Ten dollars gets you Alex. Twenty gets you Willie. Fifty gets you Tim. Yeah. And a hundred dollars gets tier. you Alex's tears. Uh, yes. Live on air. A hundred gets you Willie and Tim together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, please stay tuned for more details on that uh, shortly. But after all that, yeah. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? Is there any other news? There's a lot of Jumanji news flying around. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it news, though, or rumor? Oh, man. Rock posted a picture with him and Nick Jonas on the set of... I, I saw that today. Uh, I saw that as well. You Nick saw Jonas Nick Jonas in, in concert. Film? I you? did see Nick Jonas in concert. He didn't talk about Jumanji. He, did, he did not spill the beads? No, he didn't, he didn't spill the beads. Although I feel like I knew or had heard somewhere before The Rock posted it, but maybe I'm misremembering yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you might get... Nick Jonas and Zach Efron confused. He's always pic- posting pictures <laughs> of him and Zach Efron too. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think that was it. But maybe I don't know. Um, I've never Jumanji is another movie I've not seen as an adult. Yeah, um, it's great. I, I, yeah, it's been a long. I time. haven't watched it since I was a kid either. <sighs> Last so. time I watched it was on one of those big white VHS case. Copies oh yeah, of those it. ones that are a pain in the ass. You couldn't fit them in with the rest of them. Yep, yeah. yeah. Had I known this news. Five hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. Just I mean, kidding. I don't have a real personal connection to it, but I mean, I mean, I I always thought it was a good movie. I just don't. I mean, I guess they're remaking it. And supposedly, it involves a Jumanji video game. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I guess that's a way to update it, but I don't really understand how the kids get involved if they're picking like avatars in the game, which is what the supposed like. Theory hmm. about it all is, but I don't know. Well, Rock and Kevin Hart are back together, and that's nice because they're yeah. funny. Ja- and Jack Black's in movie. there, and they're just uh, funny on Instagram. Karen so. Gillan as well. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. Because yeah. Central Intelligence was such a hit this summer. But I did it not do all right. Uh, well, it didn't make over three hundred fifty-five point oh, okay. nine million dollars. <laughs> as far as I know, <laughs> it didn't beat Warcraft. It did well, no, and it didn't meet, didn't beat the Legend of Tarzan. I'll try to report <laughs> back at it. Next week, because okay. it's on video tomorrow. All right. VOD and Warcraft is, Good to know. too. So well, will, screw my keyframes. It's going to be Central Intelligence. You, I just want to spend the whole hour. That, will, these will be your keyframes. <laughs> you just don't know yet. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, can I talk about End of Days real quick? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I watched the debate last night. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Topical humor. How long have you been storing that one up? <laughs> Uh, five hours <laughs> since I got done watching End of Days. Uh, End of Days, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I watched this today. How was um, it? Oh, fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, I wish it was like legitimately good <laughs> instead of just how I found it. So this is a lot like a lot of the debate answers, right? <laughs> just bizarre riddles within riddles. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, here's the setup. 
Arnold is a he is a uh, atheist cop <laughs> named I believe Jericho Kane. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Sold already. Um, he's suicidal, and he takes on um Gabriel Byrne, who is Satan. Yeah, and it takes place around the turn of the century, nineteen ninety nine, going into two thousand. Um, there are some really good parts in this. It's it's interesting to me because this goes into this is kind of like Arnold's like pre governor like when he started playing like the Everyman yeah. all the time like Six Day and then Collateral Damage came out. Oh boy, this is the weirdest of those <laughs> <laughs> because I don't I remember this coming out and thinking it was a weird choice and then this movie opens this movie opens with um I believe Udo Kier um <laughs> cutting a rattlesnake open like slicing it down the middle and then like pouring the blood out onto a baby onto a tail. <laughs> So like so it right, starts out like the witch, yeah, basically. And so like, <laughs> yeah, right away, Arnold's audience at that point, like, I don't think I, I'm not necessarily sure this is what they were looking for after yeah. following like True Lies and Eraser. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Um, then Arnold like introduced like he's got a gun to his head, he's gonna shoot himself, and then Kevin Pollock breaks <laughs> in. <laughs> oh yeah, he wears a hat the whole movie, right? I had the, Kevin Pollock is insufferable in this movie. I mean, he's <laughs> just, uh, I'm surprised he didn't break into like his impressions. And <laughs> so like he stops Arnold from killing himself, which if Arnold would have made another hour into it, like you should have killed himself. Yeah. Um, but so Arnold <laughs> goes over to his blender. This is the best part of the movie, by the way. Uh, Arnold goes over to his blender and he just starts pouring shit that he has left over in his house into the, like he's putting pizza and like Chinese food and the Snickers into a blender and he just drinks it. And he he has some line like bro for the champions or something. <laughs> um, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> so things like there's just a lot of weird things that happen. I wish like, I wish the movie itself was like better and more cohesive and so, more interesting, but it, it's one of those movies where like weird shit just keeps happening and like it kind of pulls you back in like, whoa, <laughs> like, um, oh, sorry, you were going to say something. Well, the movie came out in 99 ish. Yeah, I think like it came out. Them. I think it came out. Um, I think it came out like December of 99. Okay. Like leading into <laughs> because leading I remember Arnold was on season. Arnold was on WWE Smackdown. Um, the equivalent of Twitter at the time. And they, yes, they, uh, they gave him a belt and he beat Triple H up. <laughs> and it was around that time, yeah. That's pretty good. It was good. Arnold has a lot of stubble in this. Um, he gets crucified at one point. <laughs> um, Gabriel Byrne, he's very sassy. He's a, he plays a sassy. Gabriel Byrne's awesome in this. And uh, there's one point where he has a threesome with a mother and daughter. And he gets them to he gets them to kiss each other in the face, and then they just start absorbing each other's bodies. The one, <laughs> one being. One. It doesn't make any sense. Then he he finds Udo Kier, and he just like punches him real hard in the face, and like Udo Kier dies. <laughs> um, so this is pretty good. Um, the soundtrack is amazing. I, my buddy Joe had the soundtrack, and he used to listen to it all the time, because it, it was like Guns N' Roses had like one comeback song. And this is when they had Buckethead. <laughs> And the song is terrible. Oh God, it's so bad. But the other people on there, um, I just found it. It's Corn Everlast. It's all like new metal and like post grunge bands. So it's pretty rocking. It's like it's like Spawn soundtrack. Good. Um, Guns and Roses, The Prodigy, Rob Zombie, Eminem, Power Man Five Thousand, <laughs> Sonic oh, Youth, wow. Scott Stapp, Just Scott Stapp. Solo apparently. Scott Stapp. Yeah. Just Scott Stapp. Um, the, so, the glory days. Yeah. So I would recommend this movie. Good to know. Highly. 
End of Gord- days. Gordon, stay tuned. Yeah. It's a good recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <there's laughs> the I'm really glad you made note of Arnold's stubble. Oh, it's, it's, it's important. <laughs> no, it is. It's really insane. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know how they get it that way. No, I don't either. Because he has like, when I think of Arnold facial hair, it doesn't happen that often. No. And I always think of Kitty Garden Cobb at the beginning where he has the really yeah. crappy oh, kind, of like, good. kind of fake weird looking beard it's, where it's like, like lost just, fake beard yeah where like light just blasts through it <laughs> and you can tell it's not really there it's really so insane sweet. looking yeah yeah his stubble in this is really good um it's just it's just one of those, like i don't I never buy him because he's just so ha- like he's just so happy-go-lucky all the time so like when he plays a de- depressed character like this i just kind of it's just funny it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a bigger bummer than most people playing <laughs> right <laughs> how does this stack up against eraser which is another late '90s Arnold. I would rather watch this in Eraser, just because it's so weird. I think Eraser. I think Eraser is kind of fun. Eraser he fights, has, he fights an alligator in Eraser. He does have. A, yeah, there are alligators. They're really fake, and he uses a rail gun. <laughs> yes, like, liberally. Yeah. yeah, and it's really awesome. Like uh, that. That's how you. That's how you up the ante. Mm-hmm. Rail guns. And Jim, gators. Jimmy Conn's in it too, right? Yeah, Jimmy Conn. He's the villain, I think. Yeah, he's really fun in it too. He's always fun. I, Jimmy, James Conn has never let me down. So. Um, but Gabrielle Byrne is really good in this too. So good. Yeah, those are probably two. Uh, let's see, the sixth day. It's not very good. Not very good. And there's an XFL. Sequel For a second, I, I thought of the Sixth Man, which is the <laughs> basketball comedy, the Marlon Wayans, which is really good. <laughs> Unlike the Sixth Day. And then Collateral Damage came out around that time too, and that's kind of that's all right. Yeah. There you go. Um, can I talk about two things real quick? Sure. Uh, I I rented Blu-rays. I haven't done that in a long time. Wow, that's a thing I did. Where did you do that? There's no rental places around anymore. There's one. Guys, don't plug it. Just Redbox. <laughs> no. Um. So I rented. Um, <laughs> I rented the Visit, which is the new M Night Shyamalan oh, Ding Dong joint. Good. Um. Yeah, Nick saw that in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know what? I had fun with it. It's it's um definitely we're starting to get back to like good and my Shyamalan. it's it's by no means like six sense um unbreakable good or science good but it's getting there we're getting closer like he can, he can do it I, I have i have some faith in him again so it's a it's a significant few paces in the right direction yeah the scares say work. it's a step it's it's a it's a it's a, it's it's a, a stride, good little a good long stride yeah he's um, back in his wheelhouse he is and and yeah. normally i don't like found footage stuff or i have a harder time liking found footage stuff than i would with like a traditional um film but he handles this one pretty well um and the scares work very well i felt like there were a lot of good jump scares but i also felt creeped out the whole time you know it was a nice mixture of like eerie and also like jump scares um did you see it tim i did i I, I had fun with it i liked it 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 gets a little little weird towards the end um because like things get pretty insane towards the end like insane towards the end and um and then, like, he, like, weirdly ends it with, like, first, like, I don't want to say too much, but he tries to, like, do too many things at the ending. Like, you can't, you can't, I don't know. I'm not going to say anymore. He tries a bit too much at the end there. Um, and then I, s- oh, uh, I... And I've heard uh, good news out of, I, it might have been Fantastic, Fantastic Fest or Fest, something yeah. about Split, which is his next film with uh, uh, James McAvoy, where James McAvoy plays a man with 23 split personalities mm-hmm. or something like that. So he might be in for a bit of a Shyamalanaissance. I'm all for it. I'm all for well, it. Well, he's doing the Tales from the Crypt yeah. TV show. I'm not, I'm not stepping on that joke, by the way, because it's fucking perfect. Oh, man. I wish I had a gif of that look Alex just gave me. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> You're so pleased with yourself. <laughs> I know. That was awesome. I, I that, was I Arnold, that was Arnold Stubblegood. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, well done. 
Sorry, Tim, what were you saying? He's doing, TNT's doing it. They're revamping Tales from the Crypt. Oh, he's working on it. He's, he's kind of the head of it, and that's perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Cool. So. Uh, Willie, um, your I second also, thing. I also rented, it was a double feature. I rented The Boy. Oh, snap! Which, have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. Um, with uh, Lauren Cohen from, uh, Cohan from uh, ah. Walking Dead, and she's babysitting this little porcelain doll that's replaced the dead son of uh, an elderly couple in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I thought that was awesome. Did <laughs> you like it? I fucking loved it. <laughs> I thought it was so stupid. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I said it the whole time, and I'm like, like like most of the movie is I'm pretty like most of the movie is pretty dull it, actually, it reminded me of like Hammer like old Hammer like yeah. Hammer movies are kind of dull in yeah. my opinion for the most part but then something happens you go what the <laughs> hell is going on so yeah it it goes there yeah I I um I appreciated the audacity <laughs> and I think part of it too is I was watching it with all the lights off with just me yeah. and my wife and she was freaked out what's the, whole the time. boy's name in it um it Brahms <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> you did a spit take. I love Rob. I love that name. Um, but I, I keep. I'm not. It's not spoiling anything. But there's there's a, a moment in the movie um, involving um, kissing, and I every time I go to kiss my wife goodbye before I leave to go do something, I go kiss. <laughs> if you see the film, you'll understand why that that's uncomfortable. And then for you subsequently her. don't get a kiss. Right? Oh, she was. Yeah. <laughs> she goes fuck you <laughs> really good. yeah because Nikki's kind of freaked out by she doesn't well. like children yeah. like, <laughs> like, she, <laughs> let me let me let me rewind that for a second she likes children she doesn't like creepy, creepy children. children she doesn't yeah. like little um, scary kids in movies scary kids in movies in, in the she, horror genre she does not like children chil- freaky, creepy children the village of the dam doesn't she's, she's the freaks her out you know like that's yep. a perfect example um and she also has kind of a weakness for um for supernatural like ghost stories mm-hmm. and you know she's in this big huge haunted house and there's you know uh, stuff happening and noises and things moving and it, you know what i mean so it it's very much it's basically everything she's scared of in one movie so it's fun to watch with her um and that might have made it better for me but i i i had a lot of fun with that i i, I think you should all see it yeah all right uh i had two other things before we get to our review um this past weekend, Nicole and I watched a show on Netflix called Easy that just came out last Friday. Um, it's a very interesting show. It's all directed by Joe Swanberg, who directed Drinking Buddies and uh, a bunch of other things. But he's known for being somebody who um, thrives on impro- improvisation. So for this show, he would give these people outlines of where he wanted the scene to go, and then they would have to figure out how to shape the conversation to actually get there. And uh, it's a very interesting show because each episode centers around different people for the most part. Um, so there's a lot of different people that you recognize in there. People like Dave Franco and um, uh, Orlando Bloom and Mark Marin and Malin Ackerman. And there's like just a bunch of different people in it. It's I think it's pretty cool. Um, and there are cool ways where the stories kind of link up to each other so it's an interesting watch half an hour show um on netflix eight episodes you can get through it in a day if you really wanted to you had me at dave franco yeah dave franco's fantastic and actually he's in my favorite episode of the of the show so he's wonderful yeah and then uh one other thing that i would be remiss to uh bring up we got some news this week uh from one yorma Tacone and uh oh yeah 
And uh, what's his name? Will Forte, that MacGruber 2 is <laughs> officially been, being worked on. This has been talked about for a long time. Yeah. One of, um, one of our Christopher Nolan's favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, it that's, is. That's true. <laughs> uh, MacGruber. Uh, has anybody seen Popstar? No. Mm-hmm. Don't know. It's awesome. I know. <laughs> Tim, are you excited about MacGruber 2? Yes. <laughs> uh, MacGruber will catch on. Apparently it already has, if they're making a 2. Uh, it, this is, I mean, here's the good thing about, like, this will probably end up being on, like, Netflix or Crackle. <laughs> so <laughs> what's nice for a lot of these, um, honestly, probably for Lonely Island, is they'll continue be able to continue to do smaller comedy groups like this that have kind of a niche and maybe a more cultish sensibility will can be able to continue to do their thing. Um, kind of like how Christopher Guest is doing yeah. with like mascots and stuff. Oh, can, I'm so excited for that. Yeah. So they'll be able to continue to do their thing on stuff like Netflix and, and all of that. So um, I'm guessing that's where this is because McGruber was not a huge hit at the time. Was it, it did, Central Intelligence or like? I was going to say it did not make $330 million. <laughs> It did not beat Legend of Tarzan <laughs> at the box office. No. Well, maybe we need to adjust it for inflation. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let me pull up the numbers on Box Office Mojo. <laughs> but uh, but go check out McGroover if you haven't. Because I think your life will be enriched. I still haven't seen it. Is yeah. Ryan Felipe coming back? I don't, I don't think they know yet. I, I guess. think it's too early to, to get that to I think get all that they info. did. World, been worldwide gross of $9 million. <laughs> no. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Seriously. Yeah, it bombed. Um, and it was only going to make ever make money in the USA. Yeah. So well, it made eight point five million dollars in the U.S. And point five outside of it. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. So awesome. They remade MacGyver. There's a new MacGyver show on TV. By yeah. The way. Oh, I watched *Lethal Weapon* too. <laughs> uh, that's the one people are watching. Yeah. I've yeah. heard the new MacGyver is trying its hardest to not be MacGyver. Which and, why and, would you make and MacGyver? As a result, I didn't even know that it's not really good. Oh, it's like the airing. Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll check that the one. The kid from X Men is in it. Lucas Till. Yeah. Lucas Till. Is he, is he MacGyver? MacGyver? He is MacGyver. He is, he is the, the oh, so he's like a MacGyver. young MacGyver. Does he have... But like a modern MacGyver. A mullet. Who uses a lot of guns. <laughs> I mean, his hair's already kind of a... <laughs> he uses a lot of guns. He uses a lot of guns. It's so dumb. <laughs> hey, why would you watch Oh, that? <laughs> let me show you the MacGyver Twitter, co- Twitter account <laughs> <Yeah>. background right now. <laughs> what? It's MacGyver on like an exploding... I don't know. That's supposed it, to be it looks like it's some sort of phoenix behind him. Is that yes. supposed to be serious? Yeah, like a dragon. It says is he smiling? New drama. I, I, Mac is back in action. <laughs> Stream the full series premiere of the night. Yeah. I watched uh, <laughs> Lethal Weapon. I'll just say real quick. I watched Lethal Weapon, The Exorcist. Um, TV shows on Fox. Um, the Exorcist is worth a watch. Okay. Um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm so happy you watch this stuff so I don't have to. <laughs> Uh, at least the weapon wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah. The kid, the guy, the kid that plays Riggs is really good. Uh, really, the issue is you have to divorce yourself from the um, um, Gibson Riggs because yeah. he's so. It's just like he can't capture the craziness of that Riggs because it's impossible. Because Mel is crazy, yeah, and um, so he does he he does a little differently. So um, he's he's the best part of it. Interesting. Well, I heard that I, I kind of wanted to go back because I have seen all four Lethal Weapons at some point, but I haven't mm-hmm. watched them since my initial watching of all of them. So I think it'd be interesting to go back and watch them. And I think they're coming uh, to Amazon Prime in the next month or so. Okay. So, they fight a guy with a flamethrower in one, right? 
Mm-hmm. One guy running around with a flamethrower. I don't remember that. Danny I Glover. think that's the beginning of Danny Glover fights him in his underwear. Four. <laughs> that sounds like that's where it would need to go in the. No, that, that's got to be four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, you might be thinking of because remember the '76 ball starts rolling and there's a bunch of explosions and then Danny. I don't remember four that. I just ball. remember Danny Glover running around in his underwear, fighting a guy in a flamethrower. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? We've come a long way from Busey. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for our. Yeah. Review mm-hmm. as part of keyframes. Mm. Nick's keyframed that we all picked for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan's memento. The IMDb synopsis says a man juggles searching for his wife's murder and keeping his short-term memory loss from being an obstacle. The movie stars Guy Pierce, Kieran Moss, Joey Pants, Mark Boone Jr., and many more people. Stephen Tobolowsky, to name one of them. Yes, a friend of the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. Yes, Nick. Yes. Why did we pick this movie for you? Well, you guys had recently watched Batman Begins, from what I understand, so we weren't going to do that. All right. Did, well, you, did you well, really want me to answer this question? Well, no. I, I mean, so, okay. <laughs> All right. So why, Memento, why, is, why was Memento in the running to be one of Memento your key Memento was kind of a late, late comer to the, to the list of potentials, but it was because it was so obvious that I didn't think about it, um, which is ridiculous to hear and to say out loud. <laughs> Uh, but I was just trying to think of all these other examples, and then uh, I was just suddenly thinking about it, and I was like, oh, man, I should totally do Memento. And then uh, I guess it, it fe- because I've seen it so much, and it feels like one of those movies that people who are really into movies see early, if that makes sense. I feel like when you're around your like, teens, there's a bunch of movies that are sort of required in like, the... You know, you start to get really into movies and you get the internet at your hands. You're like, what, what, are, what are the great movies I should watch? And you see like the Fight Clubs and the Sevens and, and Memento is inevitably on that list. So I feel like it didn't immediately pop up in my head as, a, as something that would be worth, you know, dedicating an episode to. But there are a few movies in my, in my timeline, in my lifetime, that, I, that I, I can immediately trace back certain feelings about film in general to. And Memento is one of them. I usually credit Star Wars with being the movie that made me really interested in how movies work and just the magic of them. There's those there's those select movies you think of, and Star Wars and the Indiana Jones trilogy are generally those two for me, or those, not those two, but those those uh, cornerstones. Memento was the movie that I saw in high school in sophomore year, and that was the movie that made me think I could make movies because it's so lean. And it's just it's just an awesome director with a great script and great actors and a good story. And that's it. There's like no stunts in it. There's like no CGI. There's it's just it feels like it could have been shot in three weeks for nothing. And it's fantastic for that. Uh, so when I saw it in high school, we actually watched it in my psychology class. And hmm. because we were talking about uh, his his particular problem which uh i can't get more into that without getting more into spoilers so i guess that'll come later but hopefully i remember to circle back around to it i'm really good at forgetting things too (laughs) as you well know so this movie also rings true because i forget (laughs) stuff a lot the things i was just talking about i always forget that i've told people the same stories all the time my girlfriend constantly is like you've told me that story three times and i'm like "Ah, well one more time (laughs) it uh, I'm sure, and she's actually never watched this with me, and uh, I really want to now because she'll probably laugh at a lot of me go, yeah, yeah. I, I get why you like that. But um, 
I remember just being so so impressed with it, and a lot of the other uh, movies around that time, and and like I said, even going back to Star Wars, they're these big fantastical movies, and some of them uh, are just a lot bigger. And this movie is so lean, even in terms of the locations it takes place. It only really takes place around like like four or five locations for the most part, and it's just it, it doesn't feel like such a tremendous leap from Nolan's first movie, Following. And I really like that there's there's this progression between Nolan's first three movies. And I guess that another reason this movie is so huge is uh, uh, it's Christopher Nolan. And this was I saw this movie uh, before Insomnia had come out. I'm pretty sure. It was, I, saw, I think Insomnia was 03. And uh, I was immediately like, that guy, is, he's the guy. Like, he's, he's, he's like immediately skyrocketed to, like, one of my favorites. And then he cemented it with Batman Begins. But I remember just being so blown away with how much he does with, with so little. And just by simply kind of reshuffling how a story is told you can still follow it and at the same time it feels like this fresh thing and it it disorients you a little bit and you're like it's almost like he says in the movie where you you it feels like just waking up you feel a little bit lost but you know where you're at and i I love that about this movie that as many times as i've seen it there are some scenes where i get in a little bit of a daze and i get kind of lulled in by the dialogue and by the situations and by the acting and by whether or not this particular part's in color or black and white and you just kind of fall under the spell of it and you start to forget what the previous scene was and you start to forget where you came from. I found myself uh, sighing and leaning back in my seat every time a black and white scene came on. Yeah. At the, well, because, as, as this because, movie starts. Because you knew where you were at? Not because I knew where I was at, but I think because the... Um, the uh, Without spoiling anything, the color scenes... At, at the beginning of the movie, start off with the most intensity. Right. And I'm like leaning in and like paying attention and blah, blah, blah. And then I get back to the black and white and I'm like, okay, I can wait a minute yes. and, and breathe and sit down. And it's very interesting. And that's one of the great things about it too is the color scenes, although they are the ones that are, they're, although they are the ones that are backwards, which is really weird, they're the ones with more context because you've seen what just happens after. Yes. And the black and white you don't understand what that is until the end of the movie, for the most part. Yep. It takes a long time to start to piece together exactly what's going on, and yep. it's great. It's, it's wonderful. I love the score to this movie. I don't often talk about music, even though it's generally in, in the back of my mind, but this is such a simple score, and, and that main theme only really kicks in a small handful of times, but it's so good. I have it on my phone, and I listen to it all. I actually had, like, someone just made a loop of it, and I have it. It's really good. Uh, I, <clears throat> I love Guy Pierce in general. He's I love he's so awesome. When he was going to be in Iron Man three, I was so stoked for that, and he didn't he didn't disappoint. He's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but he's one of those ones. L.A. Confidential was mentioned earlier this evening, and that's another movie, early Guy Pierce movie that I I loved when I saw when I was younger. And he's just always been one of those guys that he's he's done very well. I'd say he's a movie star. People know Guy Pierce, and he's he's always working. He's one of those ones where he just he didn't quite bust through a hundred percent to be like that. And I think. And I read this recently. There was actually a topic of this on, I think, on our movies where people were saying that The Time Machine was the movie that derailed it for him because that was like mm. his AAA... That was his chance to right, break to be, into Exactly, the, to be like the summer blockbuster leading man, action adventure, and it just sucks. It flopped, so, yeah. yeah. So it didn't, do really, it didn't really happen for him. That's okay. Did not do a Legend of Tarzan numbers. No. But he's, he's done very, very well, and I've, I've always enjoyed seeing him whenever he's going to be in something... Uh, that's upcoming forthcoming i'm usually really on board and really want to see it and even when he's only in small like in the road he's barely in it and he's just awesome you see he's one of those guys that you see and you're just like here we go but in this movie he just like nolan does a ton with not much he has to spend a lot of time both being 
in the know because he has all the details, but he doesn't know them. And so at the same time, you as the viewer, although you are very, you are lost and you're along for the ride, you're kind of along with him, even though he should know what's going on and he has all the answers there and just is always playing this endless, like chasing his own tail. It's just so great. And he's, his little micro expressions in this are so funny. There's a lot of really, really, really dry humor, little bits of humor in here. These little looks he gives people where he's just kind of irritated and for a guy who has to rely on the kindness of others, he's really snippy and he's kind of a dick. And he's likable and he's watchable, but at the same time, he's like pretty bad. And that's just really fun to watch. I love watching Guy Pierce have fun with that. And you spend you spend a lot of the movie being really sympathetic towards him. And then you kind of go, well, maybe because he's handicapped and he has those lines where he's like, it's, it's, not, it's not nice to take care of advantage of someone's handicapped and that kind of thing. You automatically feel bad for him. But then as the movie progresses, you kind of start to wonder what exactly is this guy's full story mm-hmm. and it's just it's just fascinating so this is a movie that i think we'll we'll never see anything like it again until it gets remade which is supposedly <laughs> uh supposedly in the works but i don't know if this movie can exist now with with smartphones i'm not sure if this movie <laughs> oh god can can ever be snapchat memento <laughs> Well, you know what I mean, though. Just the the ability to—he doesn't need a Polaroid camera. He doesn't need a notes. He doesn't need he, everything he needs is right here. He yeah. can take his own videos of himself explaining what's what his situation. Like, in in a way, it could be fun to see what somebody would do with that. But the the visuals of of the tattoos and the sticky notes and the Polaroid camera and all these things that Nolan's always always honed in on objects. There's always these really. Just Nolan, I'm doing this with my fingers, and as if everyone can see, I'm just rubbing them together, <laughs> like uh, Alfred Molina Tan- at the beginning, the tan- at the beginning the, of Raiders of Lost Ark. The tangible. Uh, yes, yeah. Nolan's always really good at honing in on these specific objects and assigning them meaning, and so it's probably almost too on the nose where it shouldn't work, where someone would be like, you want to cast meaning onto objects in movies, but you don't want to draw so much attention to it, but he always does, but it always works super well, particularly with, uh, with Wally Pfister at his side. Uh, and in this movie, there's lots of these shots of these objects and these these devices of things that he relies on just to just to survive, and it's great. Uh, there's just so much about this movie that I'm having a hard time even concentrating about it. I mean, the it's so commonplace now because everyone knows this, but just the image of 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 Guy Pierce with his whole torso covered in tattoos is so awesome. Well, yeah, and, and it's so striking, and I can't. I wish I could remember how it felt the first time I watched it. And the first time I saw that shot where he takes his shirt off and you see them all. I mean, it's so striking. And the one backwards one, like the, all these all these little details in this that are so dark are so phenomenal. The tattoos, uh, like it, there are many different properties that have people with tattoos all over their body for different reasons. Right. But this is one where the tattoos really mean more than a lot of cases. And on top of that, I remember John probably saw this movie close to when it came out. But I was pretty young at the time, and I just remember him talking with his friends about, oh, yeah, the tattoos and memento. Mm-hmm. And as the first time I watched this movie, which was probably 10 years after the fact that I heard about that, I was like, oh, that's what that like. That's the thing that they were talking about. And just kind of that reveal to me is is very it's, it's a very powerful and interesting image. Yeah. And none of them are, are haphazard or or uh, devoid of any sort of meaning or, or evidence of design. Each one is different. Each one's uh, font is different and, and style and obviously where they're located and what they say. And it's it's fun watching it and trying to think of maybe which where he was when he got each one, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, one of the other things that I love about this movie is uh, it's it's one of the best and I don't want to say earliest, but one of the certain certainly uh, purest modern forms of a neo of a neo-noir. 
because there's a lot that term gets thrown around a lot and this movie hits so many of the the prerequisites for being like a film noir where you've got this protagonist who's generally like an investigator or somehow involved in law enforcement you've got the femme fatale who is uh carrie ann moss is so great (laughs) she's so great uh, I actually was was reading and doing like a list of some other like little more obscure things, um, and now I've lost it. Quick, quick, got to find it before I forget. Uh, <laughs> well, narration is being the only narration. The black, the black yeah. and white, the mm-hmm. high contrast, that sort of thing. Those are all. Uh, but some of these are really funny. Where it says, uh, "Movies." This is just an excerpt from Wikipedia. Movies of this genre were. Uh, this is talking about just film noir. OG. Movies of this genre were characteristically shot in black and white and featured stories involving femme fatales, doomed heroes or antiheroes, and tough, cynical detectives. Hmm. And furthermore, it goes on to list... Uh, there's a range of plots that are generally encompassed in the war. The central figure may be a private eye, a plainclothes policeman, an aging boxer... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is uh, the, wrong, the wrong snippet. Uh, a law-abiding citizen lured into a life of crime or simply a victim of circumstance. And pretty much all of these are rolled up into the one character. And that's yeah. so great. Interesting. Uh, but you have the, the unreliable narrator is often uh, a, a similar tro- a trope there. And it's funny because that's built into your main character. So you don't know. He's his own unreliable narrator. And so you as the audience member are also subject to that. But I'll, And just like the, this is the last thing I'll say, I promise, before we open it up. Um, Nolan is really, really good. I, th- I think he's really good at covering his own tracks. He's really amazing at setting up these complicated stories and explaining it in such a way where you can any any time you think you may have caught him, he's got a reason for that. And I love the built-in line with uh, Leonard Shelby talking about how memory is is so flaky and how you can't rely on it, and that you you have to rely on facts. And that there's a lot of times in this movie where you think you might peg down an answer, but then you can attribute it to maybe going a different way to just memory and the nature of memory. And I think that's so, so, so cool because it's true. And like he even says in the movie, like just talk to a policeman. Like eyewitness reports are f- so Useless often wrong. Thing, yeah. yeah, and you have to distill them down to their to their chorus elements if you're going to hope for any value. And even then they may be wrong. That's just, I love it. I think yeah. it's such a, such a fun thing to explore. All right. Tim, you haven't watched Memento in a while. Yeah, let me see if I can trace back. Okay, I th- I saw this movie when it first came out on DVD, so I'm guessing around 2001 or 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen it. This is the third time I've watched it. The first time I watched it, I was probably like 19 years old, and I didn't grasp it at all, Yeah, to be honest with you. Um, I was more interested in wrestling storylines <laughs> than anything too intricate. But, um, but then I, I remember I watched it again in college, and... I remember liking it, but for some reason I just had it in my head. I think I was just trying to be a contrarian with other people in my film class. And I'm like, because I like to do that. And, but I'm just like, it's a gimmick. <laughs> it's a gimmick movie. Um, and in a way it is, but this is the first time like where I've watched it. And this is the first time it kind of clicked with me because I think it's fantastic. And um, I guess it's not, a gimmick's the wrong word, but... I'm not a huge fan of non-linear storytelling sometimes. Um, in the hands of the right director or writer, I think it works. Um, in the hands of uh, some that I can't remember right now. Mick G. <laughs> no, I Does don't Does Mick know. G do a lot of Mick G. <laughs> Lost is running through my head, but I kind of like it on Lost, too. Um, uh, um, but 
this this works because the gimmick is the theme to me um and it's something he's explored in movies later on i wish i had more time to time to digest it so i could really think about how i feel yeah. about it but it's really it, in a way in its way it's about storytelling and he's kind of explored those themes later on um i think this is if Inception, in my head, Inception is his Spider-Man too. If we're going back a week, <laughs> where he puts all of his things, all everything together, and makes big popcorn, great entertainment. This is his Evil Dead too, to me, where he's left left to his own devices, and he's just kind of he's got no money really, um, not that not as much as he would have, I should yeah. say. But he's really just it's Nolan distilled down to its purest form, which purest Nolan, pure Nolan, <laughs> and it's. Oh, I would buy that cologne. <laughs> Wear it every day. Um, so it's you got the little N O. <laughs> so it's it's very it's very cerebral. Um, it can be very talky at times, um, but I like it a lot more than I used to. Um, what I'm talking about with storytelling is it's essentially he's making a movie about how you write a movie, which is. You just start writing shit down that pops into your head. You take all these characters, you take all these ideas, and then you try to form some narrative of it that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically what he's saying here. I mean, he's done that later. I think the prestige is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, even, I mean, probably Inception too, as, as those themes too. Um, and that's really what this movie's all about is trying to find some sort of order in chaos. And we live in a world right now. <laughs> And it honestly, it, this movie comes out at an interesting time too in the 2000s because we're getting out of those 90s uh, where conspiracy theories started to take hold. <laughs> and we live in this world where you can't, like there are perfectly normal people you meet every day who don't trust anything at all. <laughs> and you kind of, you you see a lot of people who just start creating their own reality. And that's essentially what Guy Pierce does in this movie. And that's not a good thing. Sometimes you have to look at the world and go, this is the way it is. Um, It might suck, uh, but you can't just make things up to make you feel better. Um, So I I, I think that was something I found interesting this time, just being a grown-up and realizing and living around other people. Um, It's a lot funnier than I remembered. Uh, I I don't always find Nolan's movies that funny. but he has Joey Pants in this. It, that man is a national treasure, mm-hmm. and we should treat him as such because uh, he's hysterical in this. And Guy Pierce is really funny too, because Guy Pierce is playing it. Um, he plays it as this kind of emotionless robot at times, but it's the way he reacts to certain things is so funny. It's good. And um, Carrie Ann Moss, who I really, really like in just about everything I've ever seen her, and I wish she was in more stuff um, that I have watched. She might still be in stuff, <laughs> but. He gets two Matrix people in this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's really, really good in this, too. Uh, all the acting is fantastic. He's he, And Tobolowski, another national treasure. Oh. I can't believe I forgot. Um, but he gets great work out of everybody in it. And he's great with character actors. He always has been. So, Tom uh, Lennon. Tom Lennon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember Callum Keith Rennie was on Battlestar. He was um, Dodd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. He was on Battlestar for a while. So He's in The Killing, too, very briefly. Mm. Season one. I rec- yeah, I recognize the game. And I like went, oh, I recognize that guy too. So, um, so just all around, um, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. So, I would be really upset with myself if I didn't mention earlier, um, Harriet Sansom Grace. 
I can't remember. I'm messing it up now. Who plays Sammy Jenkins' wife in this mm-hmm. is a recurring character on Frasier. Harriet Sansom Harris. Harris. My bad. And she is amazing. Yeah. She's one of my favorite side characters in Frasier. And she is so balls to the wall nuts and hilarious. And I I had seen this movie so many times. And, and she's such a, I don't want to say minor character, but you just don't. She's very good at just uh, of just playing a uh, just kind of a bland uh, housewife. She just is there to be almost a plot device in a way. And so once I made the connection years later that she was that character in Frasier, I was like, oh my god, this woman's amazing! If she can play <laughs> these two characters so convincingly, both of them, and I paid a lot more attention this time around to her performance, and it's so good, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, something we'll have to talk about later, but. Uh, I want to. I want to remember to come back to another theme too. That similar to what Tim was saying. I'll forget that too, though. All right, Willie, your thoughts. Um, I've only seen Memento once before this on VHS, back in like two thousand one or something like that. And I liked it. Then I like it now. Um, I wasn't sure what how I was going to feel about it going into this because I was thinking like, I remember really really having an impact on me, and I've talked with Nick mostly so much about the movie since then, that I'm like. Did I like this as much as I thought I liked this? I'm pretty sure I did, but I I did. I forgot that I liked Memento, <laughs> um, and I I still like Memento. What's what I found interesting watching it this time was I don't remember what movie we that I brought this up, but I I did recently. I want to say it was in the last within the last couple months that I I'm noticing editing a lot more as I get older. That's something that I find to be. I think I talked about a Suicide Squad I was talking about yeah. editing mm-hmm. and about how like an edit, I never really used to note that as, as something that can make or break a movie, whereas now I, I notice it a lot more. And part of that might be this podcast and looking at things that way. Yeah. And um, this, this movie is really a marvel of editing and not just because of its form, uh, of the, the shape the story takes and, and, and the, the nonlinear storytelling that's at play here. It's because it, it really breaks down and shows you how a movie is really just a collection of, of scenes or these little vignettes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's about piecing them together to make something that's coherent and flows. And, and this movie is just a collection of scenes. I mean, really every movie is, but this one, yeah. you really feel that little, it's <laughs> yeah. a collection of, cause you're waiting for, you almost forget, okay, where was he at during the last scene? Okay. He was there. So we need to get him to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can see the gears turning and that's a good thing. It's cool. It makes you, um, I think it plays on a couple elements because it, uh, on one hand it, you're just as messed up as he is. Yep. You're just as disoriented as he is, which is kind of cool mm-hmm. as a viewer. Um, on the other hand, it's cool as a fan of, of cinema to see how they put all these little pieces together to make mm-hmm. a story that makes sense despite its craziness and and really it's um, the the loft the, the just the ambition that he had to make a movie like this to even try it, especially being a young filmmaker who only had what one feature before this and it wasn't like it was a major like studio release following wasn't so yeah this is really i mean it's lofty and good for him um uh, he he could have just done a like a cheeky romantic comedy but no <laughs> he's like i'm doing memento I'm like fuck all right nolan slow down man but no i really enjoyed it um it's very sad it's like a really sad movie yeah um which is not a bad thing. It's a good sad. It's not a bad sad to me. I I, I felt I felt sad for everybody in this movie because they're all 
varying degrees of kind of nasty people. There's there's one part that you reacted to vocally that I definitely want to talk about later. Oh really? You're like I it's d- so sad. <laughs> oh <laughs> I really okay. Want to talk about it? Um. Oh, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Um. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun watching it again. I'd like to go back and watch um his other stuff too. Watch Insomnia and kind of build up to that it'd be fun to go through all the way through again and and, and i might have different opinions on some of the other ones now yeah. too. have um, either of you guys seen following i have not i haven't either i own it on blu-ray but i have not watched you it. get the criterion yeah yeah mm-hmm. um i'd like to see that yeah i would cool. too i can borrow it from somebody yeah um you know two people <laughs> i do we'll double I, feature it with princess Bride. i know people <laughs> that'd be interesting <laughs> um there was something else i wanted to say and i feel like i'm i'm, I'm gonna sit here and stumble around trying to remember it so I won't do that. Well, if you remember it, you can interrupt me. Sure. I'll give you permission. All right. Not that you need it. Um, yeah, Memento is is a beautiful movie. Uh, I actually have a friend who watched it like two nights ago, and it was very interesting that it's one of her favorite movies. And, um, and I think this is a movie that if you can sit down with anybody who hasn't seen it, that's a very interesting experience. And if you listener do not know this movie at all you've already heard too much and mm-hmm. you should really stop and go and watch it absolutely do not wish it listen to the to the spoiler terry because your first time seeing memento is the only first time of seeing memento that you are ever going to get right and and it should be as pure an experience as you possibly can mm-hmm. get um there are a lot of things that i really love about this movie I like the bigger ideas of it all. I like trying to get down into it and figure out what's going on and trying to see what Nolan wants me to think and what I actually think and maybe seeing what Leonard actually thinks about the whole situation. And that working on all three of those different levels, I think, is is not something that a lot of movies do. Um, there's a lot of really beautiful monologues uh there's there's a monologue there two of them are from the beginning of the movie nick already talked about the memory one which i think is very uh poignant and and one of the first things that i pulled out of the movie when i saw it the first time and but there's one before that where he's talking to natalie and talking about details and how Mm -hmm. the details help him feel things and and that i think it's another heartbroken it's, it's heartbreaking in, in a lot of ways and it's beautiful in a lot of ways and um yeah i it, my my review of this movie is just as jumbled as the movie is um i think there's a lot of interesting questions that the movie raises about itself and about the people in it um and i'm looking forward to talking about those more in the spoiler terry and uh guy pierce i think the the thing about this movie is that he's acting very much off of narration and i don't think that's easy and some of the ways i think that what that could be what kind of ruined um the initial cut of blade runner for a lot of people and the idea that they're pasting a narration onto a movie that wasn't necessarily acting in a way that thought about that um, whereas this movie, you know that every single word that Guy Pierce is saying off camera is probably written in a script, which he then used to inform his performance of the scene. And 
because of that, you can really get into his head and see the gears turning in his head during his performance. And I think that that's something that uh, a lot of lesser actors would not be able to pull off. And I think it's something that Guy Pierce pulls off very wonderfully. Um, and from, from the screenwriting standpoint, um, Christopher Nolan wrote, based off of Jonathan's story, I've never read the original story, um, but I feel like uh, this movie lives in its screenplay, very much so. And the idea that um, just the main conceit of what makes this movie unique is there on the page, but it does not all come together until you see it in movie form. Like somebody could try and write this in a book and it just would not work the same way that it does as a movie. And I think that this movie really encompasses that idea of this is a film and it needed to be a film. And that's one of the things that I appreciate it for. So I think we should probably just move right into spoilery, Unless there are other things that we want people to hear or say. But I am going to put a break in. Mm-hmm. Nick, any final thoughts? Uh, I, the only thing, other thing I guess I want to mention is uh, a lot of credit to Wally Pfister in this movie. Yes. I think that this might actually be my favorite thing he did with Nolan in terms of... I mean, he does some great work later. And he's got a little bit of a black mark on him now. But... <laughs> He, uh, this movie is is generally visually told very simply and very effectively, but there's just so many little things like just certain colors that really pop and certain little camera moves that are very subtle, but they're very nice. And I'm thinking particularly, uh, there's a lot of little dolly moves that kind of guide you in a certain direction and they're, they're subtle because a lot of the movie is, is very, is very minimal camera movement. It's much more about like the scene unfolding in Mm -hmm. front of you. And uh, but the things he does are are really good, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of real worth in here uh, from him. Yeah, and and I'm glad you mentioned that as well with Nolan about the script, because kind of to the point Willie was saying also with uh, each of these scenes, the movie being a collection of scenes, they, they they say that each each scene in a movie should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Each scene should almost be its own little mini story. And it should only be in the film if it serves the purpose of driving it forward. Mm-hmm. And that is literally what each scene in this movie does. It yeah. push you forward to the next scene. And each scene, for the most part, has its own little beginning, its own little mini story, which you have to try to piece together because you're starting out of order. Yeah. And that's just phenomenal. Is he on Westworld? Is he doing Westworld? Wally Fester? Mm, I, I don't, I don't so. know. I don't think so. I was just curious if he was back. I don't. I don't. I don't think, think he's, so. I think he's gone. Is he? I think he's been kicked out of the Nolan camp. Okay. Let's see. Let's see he's what Wally Fister. He's directing the Tick on Amazon. Actually, is, is he? he? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, good for him because I got picked up today. That and the Jean Claude show. So. Oh, hey. Yeah. All right. Good season for Amazon. Interesting. Oh, and he directed a bunch of Flakes, which is a Netflix TV series with Will Arnett. So. All right. Good job, Wally Fister. We'll be right back in spoiler Terry for Memento. Here we are in spoiler Terry for Memento. Uh, who wants to go first? I'm going to say what I was going to say before. Please say what you were going to say gonna, before. I was not going to interrupt you. Okay. I don't care if you give me an invitation. All right. Your words are magic. Okay. Um, You're not Donald. 
Wait, what? You're Hillary. No, I'm just kidding. Keep going. Stephanie? <laughs> um, I didn't watch... A de- little debate humor. I didn't watch the debate, so... Um, God damn it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you said you said the Donald. <laughs> um, no, so this... this Watching it this time, at this point in my life, I found something really interesting about this movie that... I, I think... I think most of the time a movie that has anything that, that has any deeper meaning or, or any sort of substance to it, um, you should be able to take something personal for yourself, you know, um, whether it's a theme or a message or a whatever, whatever it is. And for me this time around, I thought what I found interesting was this movie at its core is really about how dangerous a human being is without a sense of purpose without a sense of meaning in their life. That's that's the scariest possible scenario is to lose that. Yeah. Um and that's um, that's what happens to Leonard. He has no purpose. There's no and it, and part of it is because of the loss of um of his wife and part of it is because of the loss of his memory. Mm-hmm. Those and those two are tied together. So it's that one event, you know, the incident he keeps calling it. Yeah. Um completely robbed him of all purpose more than just losing like i said more than just losing his wife which obviously is uh, unbelievably devastating i'm sure but um beyond that it's it's about there's nothing there there's no reason for him to get up in the morning and so his invention of this reason to get up in the morning um it's dangerous it's terrifying and we see it happen We, we watch it unfold over the course of the two hours of the movie yeah we watch multiple, I won't say innocent people, um, because there's no innocent people in this movie. They're all guilty of mostly being deceptive and nasty and conniving. But um, certainly people that are innocent of the crime that, that Leonard is trying to uh, avenge. So that's it's, that was something I took away. I'm like, man, that, that really is... When you think about some of the most, the scariest, most dangerous people on, like in history, it's like there are probably people who are like just looking for a purpose, and they found the wrong purpose. And I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Watching, I'll never, ever, 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 ever forget. There's there's certain beats in this movie that I'll never forget my first time seeing, and one of them is watching Leonard set up Teddy when he's sitting in that pickup truck yeah. and he's looking at his license plate and he has those lines where he's like, "Can I just let myself forget what you yeah. made me do?" Can I allow myself to be happy? In your case, I will. And like that, when that moment, when ever, when the whole, suddenly the whole movie just went and snapped into place for me, I was like, oh my god! I remember just this watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Of, oh my god! What, what did I just see? And when can I immediately watch? It's it again? the most cognizant decision that Leonard makes in the whole movie. Well, and, and, and it's terrifying. Oh, uh, it's yeah. supervillain shit. And at that point, you realize that Leonard is—he's a serial killer. Yeah, he just is serial killing dudes named John G. Just so that he has this purpose, and it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And Guy Pierce plays it so 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 well because most of the movie he's either a little bit bewildered or he's just very off the cuff, angry. He's reacting to something someone else did, but in this moment he has this like cool steely look in his eye, and he just has this little expression on his face like, yeah, fuck it, why not? I'll kill you. Yeah, and that's so sick, <laughs> just like sociopathic and nuts. And the whole movie, Leonard never seems that way. And then in this one scene, he just like, screw it, why not? Well, and I and I would I would argue that that is very much you're watching that change actually happen. It's not so much that that was his purpose beforehand, because 
when we dig into what's actually going on in this movie, it seems to me that it's Teddy using Leonard as a tool to murder people. That's part of it. Maybe. But if, and this is where we get real Nolan on, on the audience's ass, what's true and what's not. Did Leonard redact all that information from the police file himself? Has he been doing this for over a year? In which case, no. That that change did not just happen. That's who he is. That's part of. Then that's Teddy, true. Teddy, Teddy keeps saying that's not. That's who you were. You don't know who you are. Or did Teddy do it just to help him kill drug dealers and rip two hundred k off? And the people thing, all the, the time? thing that tips Teddy's hand to me is the fact that Teddy was in possession of the photograph of right. of Lenny smiling and pointing to the part where he was going to put. I've done. I've done it on his chest. That 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 to me is somewhat of a smoking gun. However, it still makes me wonder, man, what, like, what, what's actually, what, how, what? It's great. Yeah. Has it been a year? You know, is that true? Yeah. Has it right. been five years? Has it been six months? Like, you don't know. Yeah. Has it been three weeks? And uh, I love the idea that even Nolan doesn't commit to, was it his wife or wasn't it his wife? Mm-hmm. He's a little, and like the repeated shot of the pinch on the thigh or the, or the needle. That's so, so, so awesome. Yeah. And the little, the little snippet at the end of him laying in bed with her with the tattoo. Yep. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, was, was this, is this what he wants? Is this when he closes his eyes? This is his nirvana for just a second, but it's not the reality. I don't know. That's so good. Well, and going back to the idea of, of, of him as a character whose life is completely robbed of direction or purpose. If you think about it, so his wife is killed and he instantly, and, and the memory thing, and he instantly has to fill that void by, okay, now my goal is to kill John G. Mm-hmm. And, let's say you know teddy decides to help him as teddy says he did you know i'm a police officer wanted to help you blah blah blah. by teddy by teddy allowing him to exact that revenge or exact that fictional revenge in the case that we see it later he's probably having similar feelings about teddy as he did about the guy who killed his wife teddy took just as much purpose out of his life as as the as the man who committed the you know was part of the incident so i mean in a way if you if you're already if if you're already a deranged person which at this point leonard clearly is i mean he's a sick enough human being to think well i'll set this guy up to murder him um to me he probably there's there's a bit of transposing of feelings i think there and emotions that's that was a vibe i got was like well he took everything away from me just like he did so well screw it you can go go too yeah i don't know that was my thought or or maybe you know, Teddy has a line where he says, "This this thing you've built, it'll continue with or without me. Like you'll you'll find a way without me." And I've always wondered what happens after this movie. Like, what happens after he kills Teddy? Does because it seems like Teddy's been feeding him criminals. Plus, he's got some pretty permanent ink on him that tells him it's this yeah. guy's license plate. Yeah, like the the ink gets so like with each fact, it gets narrowed down even more to like right. one particular person. So, so it's I, like, I I do love that you're coming into this story in a Leonard story this late in the game where it could be the end. Yeah, and he could just turn it to. Sammy Jenkins. Um, before I forget what Tim said about this being uh, Nolan's Spider-Man 2. Or I'm sorry, this is his Evil Dead 2. And then Inception is his Spider-Man 2. <clears throat> I think that's great because I think one of the other big themes about this movie is uh, the idea of of healing, of a closure and of, of getting beyond a trauma or or a loss. And I think that is, that is, in my opinion, the central theme to Inception is is moving beyond that sort of damage to you. And uh, I think that's a, a major uh, bit of, of Leonard's story. And he has one of my favorite lines when he's, when he's just kind of talking to himself and, and uh, 
um, Natalie's asleep and he says, how, how can I heal if I don't feel time? Yeah. And just that notion that there's that old, you know, adage, everyone knows time heals all wounds. And when you're really, really hurting from a wound, and you're you, like, you hear that and you're like, you get angry. Yeah. But then you know that with perspective and with time and the, and the older you get, you know that that tends to be a little bit truer, mm-hmm. but you never really think about it as if, if you have no perception of time, if time's always resetting for you in these intervals, how the wound should always be fresh. If it's the only thing you remember, and that's that's amazing. I, that's one of those little. This movie's chock full of amazing little lines, yeah. pe- peppered throughout. Like Tim said, it is very talky. I don't falter for that. I think it's it's great. I love it, and I think part of it's just because everything that's written is so good. But Guy Pierce is also so good. But there are lots of these little lines of just pure gold that are so much fun to think about and kind of roll over in your mind. And uh, that that's one that I've always always really loved. <clears throat> well, yeah, I, go I, I like that Nolan is really. That's like a big thing for him. And I also like he was accused before of uh, of mainly having women characters that are just no good, and they they just are out to hurt the, the the men in the movies. And like no one doesn't know how to write women that aren't like these cold calculating. And I love that that's the way Carrie Ann Moss is in this for the most part. It just like <laughs> I like that it fuels that fire. It just cracks me up. Yeah, and Sammy's wife to a certain extent. Yeah, in a way, yeah, she's she's playing Sammy. So the, that's that stuff that I think would be. That's fun. an unfair criticism to lob at this movie. I just want to throw that out there too. Because uh, everybody is kind of... They're all bad. They're no, it is true. Yeah. yeah. I think it's its an unfair criticism in general. I mean, I think that just characters sorry. are characters are characters. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're serving purposes in your story. No, right. Nobody's, nobody's compelled to write, you know, whatever they don't they, they don't yeah. want to write. Yeah. No, but no, you are right. And, and and actually, Natalie's character is one of the ones where I'm, I always struggle with... Because she's really... She's evil to him in that one scene. Yeah. And she straight up is, like, going to manipulate him. But then... When you are watching the scenes that are prior to that, which are actually later in in the diner when she hands him the information, uh, and then leaves and says good luck and all that, there there's a I think there's a twinge of real. Well, she uh, takes the drink away from him too at one point. She right? does take the beer yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a twinge of uh, of sad, real sadness there mm-hmm. and real like compassion and kind of like well I hope and obviously she's using him just to kill Teddy, um, but. The, there, there's something there. I think there's a little more to it than just uh, just her being a two dimensional villain and just and just manipulating him. I, I always I really like that about Carrie Ann Moss. Is she initially when you meet her in the movie, she comes across as this like battered, not not helpless, but this this woman that he helped her, and now she's giving him information. Then you find out she was very much in control at some point, and then she was also not. And she's she's great. I really like Carrie Ann Moss, and I, I wish I agree with you. I, I do wish she did more, and if she had didn't done more, maybe I had seen it. I'm happy she's in the Marvel stuff now. Yeah, yeah. she's great. What is she in Marvel? Uh, she's in Jessica Jones. Oh, is she in yeah. Jessica Jones? Oh, oh yeah, okay. she's awesome in it too. She's going to be on uh, Luke Cage too, I think. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, there's two other little things I thought were interesting. If nobody else has anything. Please continue. Uh, this is your key frame that we picked. That's true. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. By, com- <laughs> by committee. I'm really glad that we settled on this, by the way, now that we've watched it. Uh I read something really interesting about the nature of, of Leonard's disease because he's talking about Sammy and he's talking about how the, the claim was that his damage was physical and not psychological and that he should be capable of making new memories. And I've already forgotten actually, but in the movie, does Leonard say that his particular problem is psychological or physical? He says he uses habit and routine and conditioning to make his life possible. So therefore... His damage should, should be physical. Should be physical. Yeah. And I read something interesting that somebody pointed out that Leonard has been at the discount inn for an undisclosed period of time. And when he goes to come in the lobby, 
he pulls on the door instead of pushes. And he looks at it for half a second like, oh, whoops. But they were saying that if he's been coming in and out of there for weeks on end, he should know by now that that door moves a certain way and not another. And if if Leonard's damage was indeed physical, like I think he claims it is. But it it, it raises a question because Leonard seems to know a lot of things. He knows a lot about his, his particular routine. Like he, he when he snaps out of one of his moments, he knows to go to his pockets. Mm-hmm. He knows about his file. He knows he has a process. And so it just I think it's a fun thing to think about. Like what is the nature of Leonard's problem? Is it does it matter? Ultimately not really. But it's if we if you choose to believe that he is Sammy Jenkins, Sammy Jenkins is made up. Yeah. And there is the shot when Tobolowski's in the chair and someone wipes the frame and it's Guy Pierce for yep. a couple frames. And it's uh you know, Nolan kind of leaves it up to you, I think. And like I said, ultimately it doesn't really matter because it, it the story that you're seeing is just the story. But it, I think it's a fun thing to think about is, you know, does does Leonard often turn the mirror on himself? He doesn't really know to, I guess, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that I mean, that's one of the questions that I wanted to see what everybody thought about is, is whether or not you think. I guess the, the question is, do you think Sammy is real or is Sammy made up to teach Leonard about his affliction? Um, and it's, as you said, it's not as though it matters much, but the kind of the clues that we get and stuff like that, it's, it's very, it's, it's interesting and it's, well, plus Teddy even says to him, Sammy's a story you made up to, to help yourself. And the more you told it to yourself, the more you believed it kind of thing. Yeah. So he can learn if that's true. Which is so he can learn, which means that it's physical. The other, I mean, the, and the other premise that that we need to assume there is that he's been at the discounted for for months. When in fact, I mean, for for many weeks. When in fact, we really know that he's been there for like at least two weeks, right. maybe. And and yeah, and there was evidence which, to that also because Teddy seems to imply that he he finds a John G in a town. They wipe him, and then he, and then they come. They to move on here, to yeah. Town, and so it's kind of. Um, and Mark Boone Jr.'s character gives a little bit context to being like, oh, oh I went so to two, two, two places to you. This is where you were last week. This I'm is glad where he you bounced around with Nolan for a little bit. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah, it's just another interesting thing to think about. Like, I, di- I didn't even think about that fact. Like, I noticed him doing the opposite of what the door says to do. Uh, and I guess the real question is, how long does it take to condition somebody to do something? That's true also. So there's... Several questions there that are like, and, mm, and know, that may only be evidence of he hasn't been there long enough. It takes a long time yeah. for these sort of th- habits to to take hold. I do like the little clues throughout the movie. Like the suit doesn't fit him, and <laughs> the whole movie yeah. you're watching, you're like this is just baggy on him. But you never <laughs> bother to like think about it. Yeah. No, you, I always notice it, and I just go, "Oh, it's big on him." And then I just forget. <laughs> and then you yeah, forget right. that. Yeah, that, is, that I didn't even notice it until you just said it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's. God, that's one of those things. I was thinking about it earlier, and I don't know that I'm going to have the words to put it in the right way, but uh, it's so difficult and interesting for me to try to warp my mind around the fact that I can no longer look at this movie and not understand that the color scenes are at the end and that the black and white scenes are at the beginning. Like the idea that the first time you sit down to this movie, you do not know the difference. Right. You, you do not know that key detail. And it's something that you might clue in as soon as you hit the second scene of both of those timelines. Uh, it, 
it's such an interesting feeling to try and think about that. Like, we might talk about Fight Club next week, which is another movie where there's key information that if you don't know, the movie's a very different experience to True. you. And uh, it's just, uh, it's fascinating. It's One of the little things that I wrote down that, that further goes into the conditioning uh, story, when, when she goes to rip up the picture of Dodd and, uh, and crush it up, he says, you have to burn them. Yeah. He just tells her that so matter-of-factly, and you think, like, he, he knows that's important for destroying He's the burned a lot of pictures. Bur- <laughs> exactly. It makes you wonder how long has he been, uh, yeah. has he been toasting these things for? How many people has he, has he like, have he or Teddy burned up? You know, yeah. It's, uh, it's cool. Uh, any other thoughts that we have? There was a moment that Willie said something that you... Said, you yeah, I remember the moment, yeah. Oh, the one I was talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The and that's thank you. God, that's such a great scene. Uh, when he hires the prostitute to <laughs> just pretend to be his wife. Oh, yeah. Awful, amazing. <laughs> yeah, awful. Also, awful. obviously. But uh, I can uh, I can already tell you that like, and I'm not gonna try to sound like the wizened old man here by any means. But like, I you know how people are always like, oh, movies like it's totally different when you have kids when you like watch certain <laughs> movies. Like, oh, you'll feel differently when yep. you have kids or when you like. Like like stuff like that when you're like when you get married and you start like sleeping in the same bed constantly and stuff it like it fucks you up a little bit like I I don't like this. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing, and I love yeah. that. That's that's his kink, so to speak, not in like a sexual way, but that's the only way that he can feel a moment of pleasure, even horrible. Or normalcy. Thinking that his wife, is still thinking alive. that his wife is just in the bathroom. Such a bummer. It's amazing. It's yeah, it's I was. So, no, it's really good. That's about the saddest part in the movie, probably. What do you guys think drives him to burn the stuff that he has? <sighs> that's a great question. Yeah, and he says something to himself yeah. about like, "I think I've tried this before." Like, I think he's. Yeah, that was the there's conditioning some, moment of I've learned that this doesn't help me at all. <laughs> I think there's some part of part of him that thinks like, if he's like, "Oh, if I burn this, I'll forget her." Like, I don't, I don't like if I get rid of all the stuff that's hers, like I'll forget about her. Like, yeah. I won't. Yep. Is that sure. the time in the movie when he's kind of talking about, "I wish there were time," like, "I wish I could wake up without thinking she's alive." Yeah, yeah, yeah it's around yeah. that time. Okay. And he has that on the, another one of those gold lines where he says, "I can't remember to forget you." Yeah. Or I can't forget to remember you. I can't. No, I can't remember. If you, yeah, yeah, it's so good. And, and and yeah, maybe. I mean, and I think in a lot of ways, like maybe Nolan just went through a really bad breakup before he wrote this movie. Because <laughs> it's really funny. You had that fade the stuff. There's the the, yeah. the trappings of uh, the physical manifestation of a lot of that of relationships or even of loved ones. You know, people that people that have died. Yeah. And you you either put those things away into a nice place, and then you you don't you don't forget about them, but you don't pull them out and draw attention to them all the time. I remember the first. Sometimes when I'd watch this movie, I would I would remember or think like, are, are those actually her things? And then like you do see them. Yeah, in the flashbacks. But that's if those flashbacks mm-hmm. are genuine. Yeah. Or maybe he just buys shit at like the pawn shop. Maybe he thinks maybe he has burned her original shit a long time ago, <laughs> and he just buys crap and then like in his mind repurposes it to being her stuff because he likes. He has this tortured cycle that he can't seem to kick. It's uh, it's that's that's a that's an amazing scene. I love that scene, and it's like one of the. It's the only time in the movie I think he's really genuinely creepy is when he's trying to explain to her what to do and just mm-hmm. like put them around and he just keeps interrupting her and he's like, no, 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 I don't want you to use it. Just, just put them around. Pretend they're your things. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, I, I will say this movie was one of the first free rents that I got from our job that we all worked at. And um, <laughs> don't, don't you say it. And I, uh, it came to me at a time when I was going through a pretty big breakup. Was this also on my shelf? 
I bet it was. What? Probably. My shelf, like my my picks. Oh, I don't know if we had those picks along at the with, time. Along with Ravenous, I don't. It, it, it would have been right there next to Ravenous, but um, it, uh, you know what? It probably was because I think it was actually. This might be this might be the crucial time of us talking with any sort of meaning for the first time regarding relationships and that sort of thing. Well, relationships and memento in general. And like I, I, I worked the whole first month of not being. At family, like you, you were on hiatus shooting Wesley movie. Yes, and I was, <laughs> I was working that? a lot, and 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 so the I think one of the first times we interacted, I was like, man, I got free rents, I don't know what to get, and you were probably like, hey, have you Rav- seen Memento? Ravenous dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was probably when I probably rented both of those at the same time. I, I, it had to have been Memento first because if Ravenous had been the first movie I recommended and you watched, you probably would never really listen to me again. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true because I watched Rav. I remember that I watched Ravenous and I came to the store and I was like, what the fuck did I just another, watch? Another guy Pierce. And then and then yeah. you you Grand like we slam. talked about it and then I was like, man, that was a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I remember your, this has nothing to do with uh, Memento, but I remember your story about John walking around with a tiny keyboard just <laughs> playing the theme. Yep, yeah. absolutely. That's no, it, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, so this this movie came at a very interesting time for me, and I I think I put a lot of meaning in it and in, in, in that respect of looking at it and, and, and letting go of a relationship that you no longer have. And I think uh, there's a lot to dig into with that as well, and, and I like it for that a lot. The very, very last thing I want to talk about this movie, uh, and it's only a mention, the opening shot is one of my all-time favorites. It's oh, yeah, so that's good. Cool. And I yeah. remember the first time I saw This is one of those other, like I was saying, that you have those the, those certain beats in this movie I'll never forget the first time reacting. And I remember watching this movie and just the opening, even the, the just the, the font, the color of it is so distinct. It's this weird blue that I've never seen before. And it's this really strange script and it's just so distinctly memento to me and the the way the theme just kind of fades in just kind of hums in and everything about it's very hypnotic right off the bat and then you just get this image of this dude's head blown off and you're like what the like this other movie starts and i remember the first time watching it i didn't really know what it was about and the way the hand moved so unnaturally backwards to shake it out. And I was like, what the, what am I watching? Yeah, what is this? And then it's, it, yeah, just everything play, feeds it back into the camera and everything. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, what an opening. That grabs me every, 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 every time. And it's so, so, so good. Like, opening opening titles in movies these days are, are they're either, like, forgotten, whether you don't get much of it. But I, I miss movies that manage to have a really compelling credit sequence mm-hmm. where where you where you pay attention to the names, but you're also like drawn into the story at the same time. It's just, it's phenomenal. It's like a lost, yeah, it's a lost art. Um, so I guess a few other things to hit really quick. There's a special edition DVD of this movie that does have the movie in the correct chronological order. Um, all the black and white first and then all the color second. And, um, I, I'm the only one that's watched it here and I, and, and, and it really does just kind of show you how much of the movie is in, the editing and and the story structure because when you watch it the straight way through you're just kind of like oh well that point was a, a thing. point b <laughs> yeah but uh so so the organization of the scenes i think is very interesting but if you if people do want to check that out there are does few, it keep it like in sequence it keeps it black. well i guess it would have to yeah no, never mind yeah you get a you it's get the first white. half is black and white white and the second half is all in color yeah Black and wife. Is that Black a, and wife. A sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> On ABC. I, I don't know. Jack Black and wife. A reality <laughs> show. 
and then a few other things about that DVD. So there is a it's one of the few Nolan commentaries that there are. Uh, apparently the commentary starts off backwards, which is fun because the first scene is backwards. And then um, the other thing about it is that at the hour and 33 mark, uh, I'll, I'll just read from Film School Rejects. They've got 35 th- things we learned from the Memento commentary. They say, and then comes the hour and 33 minute mark on the director's commentary. Basically, there are four different commentaries that play over the last 20 minutes of the movie. The first one is accessed if you skip ahead to within these last 20 minutes of the commentary or if you turn the commentary on after the hour and 33 minute mark has passed. The remaining commentaries are accessed playing the commentary track from the start. Once the hour and 33 minute mark hits, we randomly jump to one of three commentaries. Each is slightly different from one another. The big differences come as Lenny is dragging Jimmy down the stairs, but with different indications about Teddy's character forcing, as as no one always masterfully does, the, the viewer to come up with their own conclusion. Do you guys want to hear these different endings? No. No? Okay. So I don't. they're on Film School Rejects if you want to check them out. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about Nolan is that he will never give you all the answers. Even if you listen to all four commentaries. Watch DVD special features. Yeah. I want to put that out. Yeah, they're not on Blu-rays do anymore. I don't, so. Yeah, I don't do it as much. But watch special features because you learn cool stuff from them. Absolutely. Yeah, enjoy yeah. them before they go away completely. Yeah, no, no <laughs> and you can't get that on Netflix. Or Nolan yeah. ones are always cool too. Yeah. I will say iTunes is doing a better job with that kind of stuff. I are think they? I claimed a bunch of um, digital Marvel codes. And I think okay. you now get deleted scenes and stuff with those. Cool. Uh, there's like a DVD menu that it brings up with some extras on it. So that's cool. That's cool. But it's one thing I love. The only thing I love about the Hobbit movies was the production diaries were so sweet. Yeah. They were very cool. Yeah, I would. I don't want to see those go away. Yeah. In some form. Absolutely. So. And that's one of the nice things about Criterion yeah, releases that, yeah, as well. Yeah. Criterion releases are always fleshed out with all kinds of stuff. So. All right. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you, guy. Thank you. Thank you, guy. Thank you, guy. Thank you, guy. Uh, so feedback on MidwestFilmers.com. Let us know what you think of the show and the things that we talk about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. MidwestFilmers.com has all previous 197 plus bonus episodes with full show notes. So you can skip over the spoiler Terry and other things that you don't want to hear. And uh, yeah, next week is my pick. And my pick is either going to be Fight Club or The Pest. <laughs> so... If you would like us to go one way or the other, please let me know and maybe your voice will be heard and I will decide to to go that route. Oh, so. choice. The best. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Do you want me to make these other three guys endure the pest or do you want me to make them confront their thoughts on Fight Club? Because we've had like four conversations about how you, at least Nick and Willie, don't like Fight Club that much and it's overrated, but I disagree. <laughs> I don't think Fight Club is overrated. Well, that's good. I think it's rated. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Rated R. (laughs) Another DVD with cool special features as well. Fight Club? Yeah. The Past? Uh, Not The Past. The Past is one of those double (laughs) ones that has the full screen on one side and the wide screen on the other. Does it have the the theatrical trailer anywhere? Uh, It might, yeah. And Uh, it's great. Is it (laughs) shot in full screen? It was not shot. (laughs) It wasn't shot in full screen. Shot specifically for TBS airings. (laughs) So, yes, please let us know what you want us to do. <laughs> it, it very well might. My Road Warrior DVD does. It's, it's awesome. It also has the the like other great titles by MGM yep. type of thing. Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
All right, Kyle X Y, go watch a movie.